Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Jumping straight into Hummer EVs is up for sale again. The VIN 001, highly sought after for the first GMC Hummer EV SUV, which sold just a month ago for half a million dollars from the original price of 105595 which is currently sold out. So you can't buy any more of the Edition 1 Hummers. Now, the first one, which is the one we're talking about here, the VIN 001, originally sold for $2.5 million back in 2021, which is way too much for any car, let alone a Hummer SUV, when it starts out at $105,000. And that said, the fully spec'd out, loaded, Edition 1, it has about three motors producing 830 horsepower and can sprint from 0 to 60 miles per hour in just three seconds. So, is the Hummer EV worth its price tag, considering the features? I think it's a good vehicle. I don't think it's worth the price tag. I don't even know if it's worth the $105,000 they are charging for it. It just doesn't really have anything super unique about it. There's nothing that really makes it a standout vehicle other than it's got the Hummer branding and it's a fully electric vehicle. Sure, the sprints of zero to 60 in three seconds is cool, but almost any electric car can do that that's on the road today. And like I said, there's just nothing that really stands out about the Hummer EV. So with such things as the Model X and the Rivian R1S on the road, I don't think the Hummer EV is much competition towards those vehicles unless you're a big Hummer fan and you're going to buy a Hummer either way. But if you're going to buy a Hummer, then <laughs> you aren't looking at anything else anyways. Tesla has produced its 4 millionth vehicle on the road. So as most people would probably guess, the 4 millionth vehicle was a Model Y produced at the Giga Texas factory. So the latest million, so the last time Tesla went from a million to another million vehicles took seven months. So from 3 million to 4 million, they did that in about seven months after the first one. So they get to zero to one million. It took them about 12 years with the Roadster production starting in 2008, which is wild how quickly they've scaled that ability to build cars quickly. They've just wild. I mean, the official report, so for the four current factories, California, China, Germany, and Texas, uh, is supposed to be producing around 1.9 million units uh, collectively per year which is way more than they do now but as they're getting better and better at building these vehicles they're getting better at manufacturing them faster and just building volume which would roughly be the just wild if they actually hit that in effect the production rate is expected to increase to 20 million units per year which is their goal which would roughly double the volume achieved by the largest automotive groups so that's your fords your volkswagens all of them is supposed to be doubling what they do per year, which is not impossible with where they're at and their lead they have in the market right now. There's no reason Tesla can't accomplish that. So what do you think Tesla's keys to success have been? Automating the process. I think automating, getting people out of the way has been a great way to do that. I think Giga Mexico will be the first time we see a lot of the effort they put in really come to fruition with that being 50% the size of Giga Texas, but supposedly going to be able to produce the same amount. Everything will be in-house, in one end, out the other. 
which is the same at Giga Texas, the only difference being it's way larger. It's going to take much larger for that to get to the point of where Giga Mexico will be in a year's time. So with Tesla's production capacity set to increase even further, is rapid go growth like this sustainable? I think with how Tesla's building vehicles, it very much will be. The ability to just, like I said, take raw materials in one end, put it out the other. If they start doing batteries at the same factory, cut down on you know, transporting materials, transporting parts, there's no telling how quickly they could really put a car together. I believe at one point they were doing about a vehicle every 24 hours. So one car start to finish 24 hours. And I, I bet they can cut that quite a bit down as these machines get better at handing off parts to each other, get better at putting cables in places so they don't need people to do those parts. Very quickly, I think they can push this. And I think it'll be sustainable. The better they get at automating this, the better the machines get at moving perfectly every time and parts getting picked up perfectly every time we'll get there it's just uh just a matter of time rivian however uh, they might not ever get there so rivian has a new goal for vehicles to produce this year which is 62,000 they want to try and do 62,000 vehicles in 2023 that's after they released a forecast production of 50,000 vehicles double the output last year uh, but below the expectations for what they would be able to do this year being between 60,000 and 65,000 vehicles. So the 62,000 number is actually coming from within the company itself. So publicly they put out the 50K and then they told employees that they're pretty sure they can do 62,000. But at the end of 2022, they did 24,337 vehicles, falling short of the 25,000 that they were hoping to do last year. And that's after Ford's already pulled out. I believe well, I believe Ford's pulled out. And then you have a bunch of recalls that have been happening. Investors don't sound happy. They spent way more than they were supposed to. They're having a rough time. They're having a rough go around, but it's not impossible. Tesla showed it's possible. Rivian can definitely do it. It's a matter of figuring it out, which they're clearly not doing a great job of. But I could, I could see if they're really starting to figure it out. If they felt like at the end of last year, they figured out how to do this manufacturing quickly and sustainably, then I could see them hitting this number. Well, time will tell though. It's going to be hard to see how this will go. But how do you think the increase in production of electric vehicles will impact the overall automotive industry, including traditional? I think one of the things we're seeing here is not only for startups, is it hard to produce a working EV and manufacture them quickly to the extent that tesla has we're seeing companies like ford and toyota and even volkswagen to an extent not even shipping i mean rivian outdid most of those companies i just listed not tesla but all the other traditional manufacturers rivian sold more evs so traditional car manufacturers are having a rough time selling the amount of evs that these other companies are that are startups even and still not even sending out that many vehicles some of those vehicles have been problems but we've seen rivian has already gotten a bunch of awards for being one of the strongest customer retainers and great service to people that already have their rivians which is good to see as a company like tesla for instance is not super great at servicing their vehicles once they're on the road they're kind of just out there and good luck getting parts so it's great to see that rivian's at least getting that end right we just need to see them get it right on the front end. 
which is to be seen. But nothing is also going to be seen. Nothing speaker is coming, which is always going to be weird to say. So Carl Pei, the creator of Nothing, the company that's made the Nothing One phone, and I believe they've made a pair of earbuds, has not leaked it himself, but it's been leaked that they're going to make a just normal boombox, basically. So the transparent handle that this boombox seems to have looks like what you would find hanging in an aisle at a store with literally a box. So like if you were to go to the store and buy one of those crappy pair of earbuds at checkout, that's kind of what this looks like, just to give you an idea. So it's rumored to have two subwoofers and two tweeters based off the image itself. That's about all we have to go on. But hopefully this will be another thing that Carl Pay does right, and it's a good addition to Nothing's lineup. With him leaving OnePlus, hopefully Nothing will continue to be what OnePlus should have stayed to be, which was value for your money and making a great product and supporting that product. Now, OnePlus this year seems like they've kind of gone back to that, but not... They had some years. They, they had some rough years. Again, this is image only. No rumored release date or any other info not confirmed by anybody. But with several competitors in this you know, speaker market, do you think nothing speaker one will make a significant impact? I think nothing, if they can, again, deliver on the value proposition, that is what they've been shooting for. I think they definitely can. I think if it looks cool, like... Maybe there's lights on it like the Nothing Phone 1 that flash around and go to the music. It's a value add to some people. That'd be cool to see. So Nothing's planned to launch more audio products. Could be a challenge to established audio brands like Bose and Sony. I don't think I don't think Nothing's necessarily competing directly with those brands. I think that they're doing their own thing. And they're offering something else, especially if they do some cool stuff like with their... Earpot, earbuds, they made them transparent. So you could see through and see all the parts in there. If they did the same thing with a speaker, that would look pretty cool. Yeah, it'd be kind of just big and mostly empty space, but it'd be cool to see something similar product-wise to that. Hydrogen planes have made their first 15-minute flight. This is super clickbaity because they actually only did it with one engine. So the aviation industry has been you know, exploring these cleaner fuel alternatives to reduce carbon emissions and hydrogen fuel cells have been one of the most promising of those technologies for powering planes. So the cells have a couple advantages over traditional fossil fuels. One of those being zero emissions, as we just stated, lower noise levels and reduced maintenance costs. It's actually quite a bit cheaper to run these since you're basically only using water and maintenance is next to nothing because you're just spinning an electric motor basically using this. So with a fuel cell built from plug power and electric motor built by, I think it's magnets. I'm not really sure. Magnets? I'm not really sure. It's a little confusing. But the plant, the power plant is the largest ever to take to the sky. However, it is only installed on the left side of the aircraft, while a standard Pratt & Whitney turboprop engine was fitted to the right for safety of flight. So clearly not fully trusting these engines yet to not give out or have an issue. And on top of that, hydrogen is only about a quarter of energy density of regular jet fuel. So you need a lot more of it to go from A to B. That's going to end up being more weight, which reduces what you can take for cargo, which for some flight 
things is going to be a problem. So despite the promising results, there's still some challenges to overcome. Like, for say, having two engines, not just one. Uh, in order to make them a viable option for commercial aviation, you mean you're going to need hydrogen storage, you're going to need refueling infrastructure. I mean, you're going to need a lot. You're going to need places that make the hydrogen so you have enough of it. And then there's, yeah, I mean, the refueling infrastructure is a major thing because you're going to need that at every airport that this airplane plans on going to. Now, this plane, it was called the Delta 8. It also was with Delta Dash 8, I believe. Hang on, I'm pulling it up. I can't remember now. The Dash 8 commuter plane is what this was. And that was a 40-seat Dash 8 commuter plane. And it only did 15 minutes on that engine. So while it was really cool, the engine looks cool. It's still in the piloting, but it's coming. Someday, maybe it will be here. So potential benefits and drawbacks, use of this hydrogen fuel cells to power airplanes. I do think that we're going to see battery and electric motors probably take off before hydrogen ever gets a chance to. It's just going to be so much easier to build the infrastructure for charging and maybe just doing battery swaps on planes. I think that'll just be what makes it there first with how efficient electric motors are. It just seems like that's where things will go if, if we can keep up with battery demand between all the new devices that are moving to being electrically powered. So how do they compare with alternative fuels? Again, hydrogen's just not very energy dense. There's where do you fill up? There's just, there's a lot to figure out infrastructure wise on how that's all gonna work together. And it's just not there yet. So it's impossible to adopt, adopt these new technologies when you don't have access to them versus every airport has electricity Every airport can be pretty quickly fitted out to be able to be used with an electric plane. Quite a bit easier to get there versus hydrogen. And how long will hydrogen really stay here? I mean, jet fuel's been around forever. Hydrogen versus electricity? I mean, electricity's just going to win that out. So how important is it for airlines or aircraft manufacturers to adopt sustainable technologies like hydrogen? I think it's very important. I think it's important that we keep moving this direction, but at the same time... There's other more correct ways to do it. So with that said, thanks for watching this week's episode and I will catch you guys in the next one.